0: So, new pastor, first church, I forget what it was exactly, but someone said something back to me in, in like a Q&A time that I found so embarrassing, I actually hid behind the pulpit, live, I did that, that was an actual moment, it was a thing, I just remember the feeling, my face was so red, I had to take a few deep breaths, compose myself, and then I reappeared and said, let's pray. I thought about replicating that moment right now. <laughs> Uh, but I think, it, I think it would be good, not because of total embarrassment, because it's good. But I really want to affirm Deb and her word this morning. I think we all have diff, difficult choices in front of us. I think we're at a time and a place right now where there are no easy decisions, or very few. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting when so many problems and so many things are coming at us that we don't have clear answers for. Isn't it nice? And so convenient when everything is just black and white, yes and no. But we need some nuance and we need some love. And as we start this series, Fruit Salad, we have to make that intentional choice to come, to put ourselves in the way of the Spirit, in the way of Jesus, intentionally. There's so much we don't control, but we can control how we approach Jesus. We can control if we're open to His Spirit working in us, right? We can, and it's going to look different in every situation, what God asks you to do as you navigate the journey that he has you on. There's a lot of variety to that, but man, we need him. We need to be open to receiving him. So let's just pray that way as we begin our time this morning. Jesus, we do, we hear your voice in this place when we worship, when we call on your name. And God, this morning, we do choose you. We say, God, we're open to your moving, we're open to your leading, we're open to encountering you and to um, opening our minds and hearts and lives to the things that you call us to, to the fruits of your Spirit. And so, God, as we embark on this journey together, as we look at the fruits of the Spirit, God, may we be courageous enough to um, make choices every day that build and develop these fruits authentically. We just give you this morning, we're so thankful to be here together and for this place, and everyone said, amen. amen. So today we do begin a brand new series on the fruit of the Spirit, lovingly referred to as fruit salad, that seems to be getting some traction. You guys like fruit, the title fruit salad? It's working for you. Um, I love the imagery on this slide of all the fruit being very independent, but also coming together to make something completely delicious. Um, I also feel that in a very practical sense, as I've mentioned, we're in, a, we're in a time and a space where the world desperately needs the qualities and the fruits of the Spirit more than ever before. So as the church, I really want to be in a position of being mindful together and how we can work together on these things so that we can be a godly example of love, community, and care in really challenging times. Who here personally actually enjoys eating a good fruit salad. Anyone? Oh, good. We've got some fruit salad fans in the house. Okay, so for me, fruit salad, I do enjoy fruit salad. But for me, it reminds me of like a warm summer day. So you might have to excuse me for a moment as I check out of February and just drift off to a warm beach somewhere eating a nice snack. How many people here are just kind of over February? February, we love you. We're not trying to be mean, but it's time for us to break up right? So what are your favorite fruits in a fruit salad? You know, you get the big bowl of fruit salad. What are the ones you kind of go digging for that you want to eat first? What are some of those fruits? Grapes? Grapes? Blueberries? Blueberries? Grapefruit. Grapefruit? I hear pineapple in the house too. Good choice. Yeah watermelon mango yeah okay all right so that's good so those are some of the favorites but what are some of the fruits that you might pick around or eat last you know you're, you you need to kind of you let them you let them so what are some of your least favorite fruits in a fruit salad hmm? pineapple <laughs> you should talk to the person whose favorite was pineapple you two get along great um what what about a least favorite f- uh, uh fruit any avocado. avocado yes Yes, Any, anything else? The one that you just kind of leave at the bottom. Watermelon. Watermelon, yeah. It's a love it and hate it fruit. I understand, I understand. We love you all, just so you know, no matter what fruits you like and dislike, you're welcome here, it's all good. Anyway, in this series, as we go through these fruits, some of these fruits you're gonna feel a natural connection to. You're gonna understand them e- more, more easily because they come easier to you as a person based on who God has created you to be. Uh, There's also going to be some of these fruits, though, that as we journey through this series that you don't like or understand as much. They do not come naturally. They challenge you and push you to look at the world in new and uncomfortable ways, and you don't understand them or know how to build them or process them in your own life as as you should possibly. I also want to say that there's a big difference between fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of this world, Right? The fruit that we're talking about is the fruit of the, of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of ourselves. It's not the same thing. We are pursuing God's fruit and developing God's fruit in us and through us. Jesus defines the parameters of those fruit and those character qualities. And we're pursuing his definitions of those things, not our own definitions which we can sometimes warp and shift to our benefit. Also, God's wisdom and God's character is not the character and wisdom of this world. It's something altogether different. So, we need to make sure that when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit and when we define these things, we're defining them as God defines them within his character, not what is comfortable to us. Right? As Christ followers, we're attempting to understand and we're attempting to live out of God's wisdom and provision, not the world's. We need to make sure that we do a good job as believers of implementing the gifts as Jesus outlines them in Scripture. That is our guide. Today we begin with the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love. <clears throat> I want to begin this journey with a story from Luke. Luke 15, 11 to 24 You can look it up if you want. It's also in your program. Then he said there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided his property between them, and it wasn't long before the younger son packed, packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything that he had, had. After he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he really began to feel it. He signed on with a citizen there who would assign him to, to excuse me, who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs and the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That really brought him to his senses. And he said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going to go back to my father. I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against God and I've sinned against you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he got right up and he went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out to him and embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against God, I've sinned before you, I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father was not listening, he was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him, put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. We are going to have a wonderful time. Then then he got a prize-winning heifer and he roasted it. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they all began to have a wonderful time. You guys know this parable, the story? Parable of the prodigal son. This story beautifully shows us how great our father's love is. The kind of love that God has for each one of us. And it's also the kind of love that after years and decades of following Jesus, we can all come to a place where we really begin to take it for granted. I really want to help get this into our minds and our hearts today, which is really critical. I want to show you a short video that's a modern retelling of this story. It's very well done. And it's done by actually a local uh, creator right here in Brantford. Um, And it's done beautifully. So as you watch this uh, video, I invite you to personalize this story in your own life, and remember what you have been rescued from. I need a minute. (laughs) It's a powerful video. How many of you guys have been Christians for a while? Like, what, decades here? Four or five decades plus? long time each one of us has been a prodigal we've wasted God's resources we've abandoned our father we've made mistakes we've failed and he sees us in that condition, that brutal brokenness, and he still runs. And tomorrow, if we fail, he will still run. And and there's nothing that is going to separate you from him. He won't allow it. He loves you too much. He sacrificed too much. I'm just telling you right now what the world needs is an encounter with that kind of love. Because this week I've done stuff I'm ashamed of. <laughs> I say things I'm ashamed of. I've got to work that out here. I have to figure that out. God help me. But he, he sees me in the midst of it. And he runs. He runs for me. Not a lot of people do that. <laughs> That's a very rare thing. Very rare. So this love is a love that's collective. It's for his family. It's for his church. But this is also a love that's for you. Each individual here with your whole story, each mistake, each question, each situation that you didn't deal with the way that you thought you should have, or you live with regret on, It's not just a love that we're supposed to understand. It's a love that we're called to live out of. It's a love that we're called to share with others. But there's a challenge because none of us can be effective in understanding or experiencing and sharing God's love unless we know its beauty and its power in our own hearts and minds. There is learning and there is studying about God's love. And it's good. It's good to do these things. But then there's the experience of it, which is totally transformative. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've read the commentaries. I've done the scripture research. I can take you through all the meanings of love. And that's good. But then when Jesus reached down and he touches you with that love, that's when it becomes real. And so we cannot be a people in a church that just teach about that love. It has to flow through us by his Spirit. So my prayer for today and through this series isn't that we we wouldn't just come together and understand these things better, but that we would encounter it in a fresh way, as we worship, as we serve, and as we pursue Jesus as a church family. Amen? There's a passage that is so powerful that speaks about love in 1 John 4, 7-21. It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love... But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them. And they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have in love. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God. Whom they have seen. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. That is a powerful passage. Sometimes you don't even need to preach. Jesus just does the work for you. There it is. This is a powerful passage on the necessity and power of love for those who claim faith and belief in Jesus Christ. Verse 16 in this passage clearly says, it says it in multiple places, that God is love and this speaks to his essence not just his character attributes. So I'm going to want to take you through an exercise right now. It's something I call the God is exercise. You guys are going to see the worst artistic skills you've ever seen in your life. I apologize if I resemble someone just coming out of kindergarten, okay? Um, So here we have a circle. And I'm going to say God is... Now, we're gonna have all these things love, joy, right? What are some other things that maybe God is? Hmm? Patient, yeah. Patient, yep. Yeah. Faithful. Faithful. Okay. Sovereign. Yes, okay, my spelling is going to be horrible. Long-suffering. Um, okay, how about um, holy? Yeah? How about just? How about righteous? Right. I'll just go right. I'll just go right. <laughs> um, how, about, how about, is God ever angry? We can talk about that fully later. Is this correct? This is pr- pretty correct, isn't it? It's it's an okay way of of, of saying these things. But let's, let's let's just try this again. God is love in His essence. It's not a character quality external to Himself. It's built and hardwired into his eternal being. He is the essence of love. Nothing happens in the universe that is not tied to any loving act that God does not sustain. So now, what is God? Patient? What about what about just? What about angry? What about holy? What about righteous? What else? Kind? Yep. Kind? Anything else? Hmm? Powerful. That's a really good one, actually. Because we see in love the right application of power. Without love, power becomes corrupt. And controlling, in love, it's full of choice and freedom. And that power is leveraged wisely. This is the correct way. It's the more right way. And so what we understand about God and his essence is that everything that pours out of him first pours through the lens of love. It's not an attribute he needs to go find. If God is angry or just or holy, he cannot do anything angry or just or holy without first pushing it through his essence and his character, which is love. So his justice is framed by his love, right? His anger is framed through his love. His kindness, his holiness is all pushed through the reality of his love. You will never see God take on an action that is not in essence pushed through the lens of love and not just our understanding of that essence of love, but God's understanding through his spirit. And so when we talk about God is love. It's not just another attribute that we assign. It's the essence of who he is. And yes, God is, can get angry. And yes, God is just. And yes, God is holy. And yes, all these things. But first push through the lens of that love. So no act, no act, even the end, even all the end times, even all the things that we can dream of are motivated and pushed through the lens of love. Nothing that God does will be separated from that love. Love is the driving motivator. It's exactly who he is. Oh man. Uh if only <laughs> we we could function this way, we would do a lot better. We jump to all these other characteristics with forgetting to first submit ourselves to the lens of love. Sometimes we just that lens gets put away. and You just get anger or you just get holiness or judgment or justice or all these things. And we need, we have to as believers filter every word, every action, every thought, every dream through the lens of Christ's love. Nothing that God does can be separated. Not his correction, his anger, his judgment or any act. There's a quote I love by Corrie Ten Boom. It says, There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Can you imagine Corrie Ten Boom? What she saw in in the World War? Actually being able to say that? There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Uh, Just as we close today... I really hope that each of us can find God's love, make room for it in our lives, and share it with others. As followers of Jesus, one of the ways that we do that is to never forget the hope and the redemption that each one of us receives first, right? Because of his limitless love for each one of us. You guys have heard a quote that I'm going to close with, and then I want to ask a few questions. I've said it before, it's by N.T. Wright, it says this, you can fulfill the commands of the Bible better by falling in love with God than trying to obey him. The Christian faith is not a business transaction and it's not an arranged marriage where you receive some kind of dowry of riches for your compliance. Christianity only works if you're in love. As we close today, are you in love with Jesus? What does the love between you and God look like practically, like write it down? How can you keep God's love fresh and at the center of your life? What does it look like to share this love practically in your home, in your workplace, and in your church? You have to mess with that figure it out. I want to invite you guys as we uh, wrap up to just bow your heads and allow me to close in a word of prayer. Jesus, we're so thankful God for your love. I'm so thankful that we can come here together as your people and encounter you and worship you and be reminded of your great love. God, I I ask that you would give each host an all love All love is difficult and comes at a cost. God, your sacrifice towards us shows us that so clearly. God, would you remind us of all that your love has overcome in our lives on our behalf? Would you remind us that we have been the prodigal son? And that just like the prodigal son, we are seen in that state and yet you run towards us. God, I pray that you would help us to be a courageous people in this time. And that your church would be a source of love and grace towards each other and towards every person in our our community, in our workplaces, in our schools that aren't here, that really need a touch from you. We love you so much and we're so thankful that we have encountered your love, that we can rely on it and trust in it as we pursue you together. And everyone said, Amen. amen, amen.